Well, good morning. Great to have all of you with us. Thank you for joining us. Greg, company, thank you for leading us through that. Um, you're finding us in a series that we're calling a, uh, a fighting chance. And we're going to have a fighting chance with all of our technology here in just a moment, I'm sure of it. Um, we are, uh, there we go, we are just two weeks into this thing. And um, if you were here with us last week, here's what I told you last week. That this series is designed to help you understand the nature of temptation. Secondly, give you tools to fight it. And third, to renew your hope. Now, I think that's true. But come with me for a minute. That The further truth for me is also this reality. That this series we're doing because I have fought with and failed with temptation enough that I'm tired of it. I'd like to bring you with me to work through how do I process the struggle of temptation. How do I deal with this? And so I want to bring you with that. And for me, that's a matter of I need to understand it. I need to have tools to handle it, and I need to have renewed hope that it can be fought. And so in case you think that somehow being a pastor makes me less human, that's just simply not the case. I was a human before I was a pastor. And that's just the way it works, and I've remained that way to this day. So we're in part two of a three-part series, and I want to tell you right up front, I am going to make a really big ask of you this morning. I'm going to make a very big ask of you this morning, especially if you have in any way ever felt like you have failed and fallen into temptation or have struggled with it to the point where you don't know if you can ever get out from on top of it. And if that is you, I'm going to make a really, really big ask for you this morning. And the ask is this. I'm going to ask you to believe what you hear more than what you have experienced. I'm going to ask you to believe what you hear more than what you have experienced. Now, here's what I think is true about us. We tend to embrace what we experience quicker than what we hear. We tend to embrace what we experience quicker than what we hear. For example, a couple of election cycles ago, uh, Peggy Noonan, someone you may never have heard of before, but um, she's actually um, related to Dallas Seminary, went to, where I went to seminary, and she wrote a speech for George Bush Sr. when he was candidating for president. And he said in that speech something along these lines. He said, ladies and gentlemen, my opponent would like to make you think that he will raise taxes only as a last resort or as a third resort. But I'm here to tell you, if a politician talks like that, you can be sure that's a resort they're going to check into. Cue the laughter. Okay, he got laughter, I didn't get much. And then he went on to say this, Congress will push on me to raise taxes and I will say no. They will push again and I will say no and they will push again and then I will say, read my lips. No new taxes. Anyone remember that? This is George Bush. And what happened? New taxes. We tend to embrace what we experience more than what we hear, quicker than what we hear. I hear you, George, I hear you, but I'm hesitant to believe you because my experience with politicians tells me, whoa, be careful here. Don't just buy in. When you're flipping through the TV channels and you hear, even if you're not like watching it, but someone is flipping through and you begin to hear statements like this, but wait, there's more. Order now and you will also get. What do you tend to think? Wow, these people must be after my good. Like, no, you don't think. Someone's trying to sell me something. 
And so we tend to embrace what we experience. And my experience is you're just trying to be a slick salesman and sell me something. You don't really, I'm not going to buy that what you're saying is true. We tend to embrace what we experience quicker than what we hear. This can be good for us. This is why sometimes politicians get put in the category of distrust. Sometimes lawyers get put in that. Sometimes used car salesmen. And sometimes pastors also get lumped in that same category of people who are heard, But uh, wisdom says my experience trumps what you say. And I get it. I do the same thing. Now, this can also be dangerous. For example, if any of you ever worked through potty training, small children. How many of you all love that time? Okay. The experience of a child, how, how young do we go? We go one and a half, two, three years old, something within that range. Hopefully by kindergarten you got that thing figured out. Okay? Small people walking around on the planet, their experience tells them the best way to relieve myself is to go in my pants. That's all they know. Isn't that the truth? That's all they know. Somewhere along the line, mom and dad says, no, there's a better way. <laughs> no, there's not. No, there's not. My experience is what I believe is true. This is the only thing I've ever experienced. I'm going to continue to do what I do. Hopefully, we all have gotten over that. And we look back and we say, man, I was foolish for believing my experience over what I heard. Though we tend to embrace what we experience quicker than what we hear. Any of you have ever been dumped by a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Don't raise your hand. Anyone about to dump somebody? You could raise your hand. That would be more fun for us. <laughs> now, don't raise your hand. When you get dumped, you tend to believe what you experience more than what you hear. You have experienced loss. You've experienced what you might call failure. Maybe you've experienced a win. I don't know. But okay, you're, you might experience a real drawdown in identity and real drawdown in self-confidence in that moment. And there are going to be people around you say, listen, no, 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 he's a loser, she's a loser. You're not a loser, but they are. Okay? But you feel something that may or may not be true, but you tend to embrace what we experience. But wisdom says don't get drawn down into that. Some of you go through a period of time, maybe you're there right now, where you are experiencing a distance from God for one reason or another, but your experience says this time of pain, this time of difficulty, where is God? And that experience can make you feel like God is distant and hearing that God will never leave you nor forsake you doesn't feel true. We tend to embrace what we experience more quickly than what we hear. And this morning, I'm going to tell you this, if you have failed and struggled with temptation, if you believe that your past failures are going to be a predictor of your future life. In other words, if you believe because your experience is, I fail with this temptation, therefore I will always fail, I have tried and I can't get on top of, I'm telling you now, if you believe that, that is dangerous, it is unhealthy, and it is not for your good. It is akin to a two-year-old saying, no, the best way to relieve myself is to go in my pants. It's the only experience that I have. And I'm telling you, this is a big ask. Yeah, I know it's a big ask. Because I'm not going to downplay the difficulty of this. It is a big ask. But I'm going to ask you to believe what you hear over top of what you experienced in your past this morning. Okay? Big ask.
So with that, I want to take you to the scripture that we're going to go to, to the point where we're going to reflect in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab the Bible in the pew right around you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 to 15 is our text for this morning. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. Uh, by the way, if you don't own a Bible, that Bible around you is our gift to you. You're welcome to take that and run with that. Take that Bible from here. We will not stop you. We will not arrest you. We will not in any other way take that from you or hinder your progress out the door if you're running out with a Bible. If you run out with 50 of them, we're going to talk to you about it. But if you could get one, there you go. Um, our gift to you, uh, because we believe the Bible is the Word of God, okay? We believe that there's life and truth and power there, and we'd love for you to have exposure to that, all right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 11 to 15 is really the entire section of this whole series, um, beginning at verse 11, and I'm just going to read the, the first two and a half verses from where we were last week. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and he writes this in verse 11. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. And so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And we stopped there last week. And we said last week is that um, we, we, we have to be careful that we are not going to assume that we're good. We have to be careful not to forget the past. And we have to be careful that we're going to... Um, understand that we can't hide from the fact that our temptations are shared with one another. And if we, if we do that, if we ignore, we assume or hide, we will be taken for a ride, is what we said last week. If we ignore, assume, or hide, we're going to be taken for a ride with temptation. This week, we're just into the rest of verse 13, 13b, as I might call it, with a sentence that begins with the word and. I'm reading from the New International Version. So Paul continues to write after he says, listen, don't ignore it, don't assume you're good, and don't hide from what is common to people around you, don't hide. And then he says this, and, by the way, and, let me add something to this, and God is faithful, semicolon. Let me explain that. He writes, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Okay. Three big ideas in this passage right away. It begins with the phrase, and God is faithful. God is faithful. Now, let's not overcomplicate this thing. I'd like you to think about somebody that you would call faithful. Someone who uh, is reliable. Imagine, get someone in your brain who you can count on, someone that you actually might like, okay? And think about the characteristics of them. Someone who's faithful. They're for your good. They're fair. They're equitable. They're reliable. They're dependable. You can be sure that when you talk to them, they're going to give you good advice. They're going to give you advice for you, not against you. Even if they have something hard to say to you, they're going to be for your benefit, they're always going to be there for you, and they're also on their own growing, so they have something to share with you. They're faithful people. These are the kind of people you love to sit on the porch and talk with. These are the people you love to. If you have time, you're going to just call and go hang out with them and visit with them. They're the people who are faithful and reliable and dependable. And let's not overcomplicate this. This, in a way, is what God is like to us. I mean, think of the alternative. Is God unfaithful? Like, does God put people on the planet to watch them be tortured by temptation. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm going to create people, and then, here's what I'm going to do. This is going to be so much fun. I'm going to create a world which there's a bunch of things they can't do, and then I'm going to see how tortured they are and all the stuff that they can't do. How awesome would that be? Like, that's not faithfulness. <laughs> that's not faithfulness at all. 
And so Paul is beginning it with this reminder of who God is, that in the middle of this world of temptation, remember, God is faithful. Like he's for the good of his creation. He's dependable. He's a reliable source to come to. He's there and present and always will be. This is God. This is his characteristic. When you're handling temptation and you're in the struggle of it, God is faithful. He's not saying, man, good luck with that. I knew that would happen. Stinks to be you. God is faithful. And in what ways is God faithful, particularly with temptation? And here's what it is. The next phrase says this, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Temptation can feel unbearable, can it? In the section we read last week, Paul wrote there, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. It's a great concept, a great word picture of seize. Temptation is like that, isn't it? It just kind of seizes you. It grabs you. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, I responded that way. I didn't know that I was going to. Whoa, I did that, and I thought I wasn't going to do that. Man, I thought that, and I didn't. I wrote that. You know, I failed here. But that, man, it just kind of came on me, and whoa, it was powerful. Yeah, it is. This is temptation. It's powerful. No temptation has seized you except what is coming to man. And here's what Paul says. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. This is the first of two things that, you're, that I'm going to ask you to wrestle with. Here's what you're going to hear, and here's what I'm reading to you. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Your experience will tell you otherwise. Your experience will tell you, actually, it's unbearable. I feel almost compelled to give in. I feel like my will is overtaken and I can't help but be hopeless. <laughs> I can't help but look. I can't, I can't help but drink. I can't help but react. I can't help but be angry. I can't help but be short-tempered. I mean, you would be if you were in my situation. I can't help but... And here is language that says, He will not give you more than you can bear. And so here's the thing. Either this is true or your experience is true, but both can't be. Either what you're hearing is true or your experience is true, but both can't be true. If your experience is, my temptation is unbearable, I just have to give in. I mean, I try not to, but I can't. It just... We tend to embrace what we experience quicker than what we hear. And here is what God is saying. I remember last year I was sitting at a conference called the Catalyst One Day Conference um, with a guy named Craig Grishel, and Andy Stanley was there as well. But Craig shared a story that, that uh, really stuck with me. And uh, he, he said he was at a, uh, a retreat with his church, and his family was there, and he was in the pool with his children, playing with his children. I think they have five or six kids. And he said some guy, um, Mark I think was his name, on the side of the pool kind of came up to him and said, hey Craig, I bet you can't hold your breath underwater for 60 seconds. If you know Craig at all, if you don't, that's fine. But he's a very highly competitive guy. Okay? 
And he's like, well, I'm going to show him. I can hold my breath underwater for 60 seconds. So as he tells the story, and he would tell it better than I would for sure, but he says, you know, at 40 seconds, I'm rededicating my life to Jesus underwater, you know, that kind of thing. And then at 60 seconds, I explode out of the water because I could hear him counting down the seconds because he was just under the, the surface of the water. He could hear the clock kind of ticking off. And at 60 seconds, he comes up and like, I've conquered it. And, his, and this guy, Mark, is like, not bad. But you know what I think? I think you can do that twice as long. <laughs> Craig was like, you got it. There's, there's no way. And, and Mark says, your brain can trick your body into doing more than what your body wants to do. And if you will listen to what I say, you can stay under that water for two minutes. I want you to breathe in and out deeply four times and whatever else you had him do. And listen to me. And so he gave him some instruction. Craig went down under the water and he listened to the guy counting again. He got to 60 seconds and he's fine. Got to 75, got to 90 seconds. He went all the way to 120 to two minutes, popped up out of the water. He said, man, I can't believe this. And his friend said, you know what? That was actually two minutes and 45 seconds. I miscounted on purpose. <laughs> Why? Do I tell you that story? Because we can do more than we think we can. You can handle more, way more, than you think you can. You know this is true. You've experienced this. If any of you ever trained with anybody else, you know that in the training with other people, all of a sudden you're pushed to another threshold that you didn't even know you had. You thought you were done here, and in training with them, you're like, whoa, I have another gear that I didn't know existed. And one even more. Your language around this temptation issue is very important, so look right here at me for a moment. If you are telling yourself in the middle of temptation, this is too hard. If you're using that language, just know that you're believing your experience more than you're believing the Word of God in that moment. If you're saying this is hard, I'm with you. If you add the little three-letter word, too hard, just know that you've now transitioned out of what the Bible says and into what your experience is. Your experience will tell you it's too hard to hope again in my marriage that it can be restored. It's too hard. Your experience will tell you it's too hard to stop looking. It's too hard to stop reacting. It's too hard to stop consuming. It's too hard to start the disciplines. It's too hard to set these goals. It's too hard to rethink. It's too hard to forgive. It's too hard. That's your experience talking. Just know that. Because the Bible says that he will not give you more than you can bear. And it's on this issue that your experience will fight with me and will fight with the Bible on this and I'm just telling you, we tend to embrace what we experience quicker than what we hear. But sometimes what we hear is more true than what we experience. This is where God begins. Paul says, he's not going to give you more than you can bear. When you handle temptation and struggle with it, it can often feel like um, a gradual kind of slow burn as if you're in a room and the smoke is starting to fill the room and you kind of you can imagine what that would be like to be in a smoke-filled room and to lose the ability to breathe and to have the, kind of that oxygen drawn out from that room and you start kind of choking in it and it can feel like there's no way out. Uh, many of you have seen uh, in primarily our city landscapes um, 
those fire escapes on the outside of larger, older buildings in particular. Uh, did you know Anne Connolly, by the way, 1887? She was the one who began the process of uh, writing a patent for the U.S. Patent Office for what we now know as fire escapes. And fire escapes were meant to be put in play so that when you're in a room and you're kind of being choked with smoke and fire, that there's a way out. Because otherwise, if you're on the fifth floor and you're boxed in, what are you going to do? And so Ann Connolly is like, we got to save lives. we got to figure out how to do this. And she wrote a patent in 1887 to the U.S. Patent Office. It morphed into what we know as the fire escape now. And this is exactly where Paul goes next. He says, listen, God is faithful. He's not going to give you more than you can bear, but I'm telling you, there's going to be a time when you're in the room and it feels like it's on fire. It feels like there's no way out. And this is the other difficult thing to embrace, but here's the second truth that I'm going to make a big ask on you to believe. And here it is in the last part of verse 13. Paul writes this, When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Okay, this is what the Bible says. When you're tempted, there's always going to be a fire escape attached to the room right outside. It's always going to be there. You are not going to be on the fifth floor and have nowhere to go. Yeah, but the smoke is coming in. I feel choked. I feel seized up by this thing. My gut reaction for me, okay, when I see a bag of hers barbecue chips, is to eat the whole thing right now. There it is. Seized up by that desire, kind of like owned by that thing, right? And here's what God is saying. There's a fire escape on that door, on that uh, room. You don't have to do that. There is always going to be a fire escape out the window. Always. And this again is where I'm going to make a big ask on you. If you feel like your past failures and all the struggle that you've had to kind of get through this, and it's just going to be who I am in the future, I just have to manage my sin and deal with that, I'm just telling you, then your experience is going to lead you into dangerous and harmful places. The truth of God's Word is this. There's always a fire escape hanging on the wall. There always is. There always is. But we tend to embrace what we experience quicker than what we hear. God is always going to provide a way out. He always will. Now you may say, but I I don't experience that. Okay. You may not have experienced that yet. Part of that may be because you haven't taken it yet. Part of that way out could be, number one, avoidance, not even going to the fifth floor in the first place. Part of it could be openness, friendship, accountability, opening yourself up to those around you who can help you. It could be goal setting for some of you. That could be a real active, not just reactive thing. In other words, um, I might want to lose 10 pounds. So that becomes a reason why I don't eat the whole bag of barbecue chips, not just avoid the chips. I might want to like, lose weight, and so I proactively plan goal setting, how I'm going to kind of get over that thing. It's going to involve some prayer, maybe some journaling for you, some engagement with the Scriptures, but I'm telling you, there's always a fire escape. There's always a way out. This is what Paul says. There's two things that you need to know. Number one, you can handle more than you think you can. The stuff that kind of gets over top of you, he's not going to give you more than you can bear. Number two, there's always going to be something attached to the building to help you get out. So, let me summarize it this way. To have a fighting chance, believe what you hear from God's Word, not just what you have experienced. To have a fighting chance of getting over top of what seizes you, the temptation that's common to man, to have a fighting chance for that, believe what you hear, not just what you experience. 
These twin truths are there. He's not going to give you more than you can bear. You can go two minutes and 45 seconds underwater. You can. This temptation is too difficult. No, no, no. To have a fighting chance, know that you think, know that you can handle more than you think you can. You're going to be pushed. There's no question about that. But I want you to be very careful with your language. I want you to be very careful not to say this is too hard or this is unbearable. Let's just be honest with this. It is hard. It is a major struggle. You want to talk about things that are generational changers for you? Okay. Some of us are prone to short-temperedness and anger. That's just the way it is. Some of that is maybe, I don't know why it is, some is environmental. We just snap at that. Some of us are prone to criticism or just being critical or being, having an unforgiving spirit. We're just prone to that. We think that way toward other people. We believe the worst rather than believe the best. And we just have that temptation. We just give in to that almost without thinking. And we get married to people, and they offend us, and then we start losing hope that this will ever change. Some of us are prone to sexual immorality, and some of us are prone in that way more than others. Some of us are prone to abuse of whatever substances you want to name. I mean, we're, we're prone, okay, to different things. Some, some to living in debt, some to overeating, some to prayerlessness, a lack of faith. We're, we're prone to a lot of things. When we say it's too hard, we say it's unbearable, just know that we've then transitioned from what we hear to what we experience. And we're leading with our experience rather than what we hear in God's Word. You can handle more than you think you can. Finally, this, to have a fighting chance. Remember that God is faithful. Remember that God is faithful. He's a good God. He's not a God who sits there like, man, how can I torture these poor souls and give them just a taste of what is good and then let that be perverted and twisted so they wrestle with inferiority for the rest of their life? Like he's not after your demise, okay? Like God is not interested in your failure in that way. It doesn't mean that God is going to make everybody healthy, wealthy, and wise, okay? But it does mean that God's interest in his heart is not for the destruction of the people whom he has created. He is a good father. A loving God who is faithful and wants to draw us through to his heart. Okay. Next week we're going to finish this series with maybe a little bit different perspective on temptation than you may have seen before. Um, it's going to be right from our text. It's going to be no surprise. You can read ahead and kind of see what's up. But I'm going to preview it with this, and this is something from Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, We are free to choose, but we're always a slave to our greatest desire. We are free to choose but we're always a slave to our greatest desire. So, come back next week as we talk about our desires and the war within us and the greatest desires that we can have as we fight temptation together. Will you pray with me? Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come together around your truth. And I pray for us as men and women, as young men and young women, and that you would... Help us by your Spirit just eliminate and root out this belief of that experience teaches me that I'm always going to wrestle with this, that I'm always going to be identified this way, that I'm always going to give in to this. Renew in us this hope that we need to believe what we hear more than what we experience. And I pray that you would give us great courage, Father, 
to step into the changes that need to be made and to step into the recognition that there is a fire escape attached to every room of temptation. There always is. And when we struggle against that right now, help us to recognize the safety of the fire escape that you have put there in your goodness and in your faithfulness to provide a way of escape every time. So Father, where we continue to fail and get seized up by this temptation that overcomes our souls sometimes, man, would you give us the courage to do what we know we need to do to have the conversations, to open ourselves up, to ask for forgiveness, to avoid or to flee, to step into hope again, to be reminded that what we hear is sometimes more true than what we experience. We know this struggle is real, and I pray that you would give us courage and hope not to fight again in our own willpower, but to be drawn back to the very God we need who is faithful and in your love doesn't give us more than we can bear and always attaches a fire escape right outside that window. Help us to use that to step in, to avoid the things that are designed for our failure in these temptations and to live in fullness of life with you. We love you. We thank you for your care for us and your faithfulness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.